You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Alright, it's late, because Martha and I are bad at life. So, there's nothing, you know, oh, Winter Soldier, Falcon, amazing episode. Yes. Definitely way we were a little disappointed with the first episode. So, way happier with the second episode. As soon as they finally give me Sharon, I know it'll be where I want it to be. Sharon next week, also give me Zemo and his shitty mask. Yes, he'll definitely be in it next week. Yeah, I want the shitty mask. Yeah, we'll see if the shitty mask comes next week. But Zemo will definitely be in it next week, because they left the episode being like, let's go get him. (laughs) Zemo? Oh, damn. All right. Um, But other than that, I don't think it's nothing else to talk about. I have a dog, you have a cat. Those are still true. They were both on the deck today. They're getting closer to yeah. being friends. Yeah, they are. Oh, we got Ransom on the bed the other day, and Luna didn't really do anything about mm-hmm. it. Uh, we met some neighbors yesterday. They just moved Cute. in. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, ran over to us because... Um, Immediately he, obsessed yeah, with your dog. W- yes, apparently he had a service dog that looked a lot like Ransom. Mm-hmm. And you could instantly tell both of us were like, what the fuck is happening? And then he was like, yeah, me and my boyfriend are moving in. And instantly me and Martha were both like, oh, <laughs> one of us. <laughs> Welcome to the neighborhood. If you see me walking my dog, come over. I'll have treats next time. And Martha made sure to bring treats today. Mm-hmm. I was like, I hope we run into this. Be people. friends. We don't have yeah. any friends. Be friends with us. <laughs> you can pet my dog. Mm-hmm. He won't like it at first, but after you give him a few treats, he'll be fine. But we're in episode 49. 49. 49. I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But, but first, first, Let's Talk, talk nerdy. nerdy. Clank. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh each time now. Yep. Cool. Great. Like, if I make enough eye contact, then I'll feel too shitty about doing a bad job, which isn't how that works. <laughs> Eye contact has never made me less awkward. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. But anyways, so I'm going to start. Good. It's a little bit long. I'll try to get through it. I am going to talk about the MCU with as little salt as possible. <laughs> okay. Because we're, salt is coming. Yes. But for people who don't know the MCU. We're doing the intro episode. I'm giving you an intro. Okay. To salt. Ooh. So, um, my source is Wikipedia, and then I was on gamesradar.com and fanbit.com. All right. Marvel and the MCU, something that I've had way too many feelings about. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings about it. We'll get into those feelings sooner rather than later, but we're going to try not to get into too many feelings this episode. (laughs) Man, I wish I had a buzzer I could hit every time you get two feelings. Oh, damn it. Me too. I'll just make a honk sound. (laughs) (laughs) Find an annoying text tone on your phone. (laughs) What's more annoying than me? (laughs) Get your cat shaker at me so she'll meow. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> All right. Anyways, in 2008, when 
uh, little 18-year-old Brittany. Can, oh. I know, right? Never imagined that it would end up as inspirational and meaningful part of her life as a, a nerdy life. Just life in general. I'm a big nerd. Bean. Teeny little bean. But here we are 13 years later. Jesus. And I'm still essentially crying over Wanda and telling anyone who will listen how Bucky deserves everything and then some. Yeah. A dog. Someone give Bucky a dog. Someone, Someone give, give Bucky, Bucky a pet. Yeah. Many pets. Ma- all of the. Some- oh my God. Get Bucky's Bucky goats back. Alpine. <gasps> yeah. So before I get too emotional about this, let's just uh, talk about it. All the basics. And what is in each of the movies that made it so important to bring us to the end game, both the movie and the MCU phase three. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yay, pun. <laughs> and what's great is I can just bring up Chris Evans whenever I God want to. God damn it. Yay. So I'm going to go through them mostly one by one, starting all the way back in 2008 with Iron Man, make our way through all the 22 movies, including Endgame. And I end at Endgame, so I don't go into Spider-Man after that. Not important to my rant. (laughs) One thing at a time. (laughs) All right. So phase one, Iron Man 2008, Tony Stark is super suave, super rich, genius womanizer, running a giant weapons manufacturing company, Stark Industries along with his dad's old partner, Obadiah Stane. Are you good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there will be a lot of those like, oh, yes. See, this is why I'm doing it. <laughs> it was more an, oh, yes, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Obi, but also, oh, yeah, he was played by Jeff Bridges. He has his invaluable personal assistant, the perfect Pepper Pops, and then his chauffeur, who isn't super in it, this movie, but Happy Hogan, and then his AI assistant, Jarvis, and of course, there is Rhodey, his essentially only friend, because he's Tony Stark. All right, so while he's in Afghanistan, Stark is ambushed by a group of terrorists using Stark industry weapons. He wakes up in captivity, almost dead, and a piece of shrapnel is moving towards his heart. Luckily, a fellow captive, Yinsen, had designed an electric generator called an arc reactor to stop the shard from killing Stark. The terrorists asked Stark to make them weapons, but instead he designed a super suit powered by Yinsen's creation to burst out of captivity. Unfortunately, Yinsen does die during the escape while Stark returns to the U.S. where he promises to stop selling weapons. Stain is not happy about this, and while Stark takes some time off to recover and design a proper Iron Man suit, Stain plots to get Stark kicked out of the company's board, which eventually does happen. Stain then travels to Afghanistan to recover Stark's original Iron Man suit with the intention of designing his own version and selling them as weapons. Stark discovers Stain's underhanded dealings and they face off. And this is where the Ironmonger suit comes into play. Uh, the Ironmonger suit is is Walmart Iron Man. <laughs> it's true. That's all. <laughs> Wish Iron Man. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is what I ordered. This is what I got. <laughs> 
Um, so with the help of Pepper and Colson from the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement <laughs> and Logistics Division, aka Shield, Stark defeats Dane, and uh, during a press conference that's held, Stark reveals that he is Iron Man. Then once he's back home, Stark is met by Nick Fury, who tells him he's putting a team together. But that's really all we get. So what's important to remember from this movie leading into Endgame? Tony Stark is Iron Man. The arc reactor in his chest doesn't just power a suit, but it is keeping him alive. Agent Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. And then, of course, Nick Fury is talking about this team he's trying to put together. Uh, next movie... I guess it's technically the Hulk, but no one cares. So I'm moving on from that. Iron Man 2, 2010. So we start in Russia. Ivan Vanko, whose father Anton worked on the, who worked on the original arc reactor with Tony's father, Howard Stark, makes his own reactor, which he uses to power a pair of electrified whips. Meanwhile, in America, Tony, who's been uh, being poisoned by his arc reactor, makes Pepper, CEO of Stark Industries, and they hire a Natalie Rushman to essentially be Pepper's assistant <laughs> now. <laughs> Slashes. I don't know. You know, it's fine. Assistant, assistant, mm-hmm. assistant. So Stark ends up competing in the Monaco Historic Grand Prix and is attacked mid-race by Vanko. Stark defeats Vanko, and he's captured. Stark's rival, Justin Hammer, ends up capturing Vanko by faking his death. I know, so annoying, but so good. Oh, he's perfect. (laughs) He's so good. uh, Sam Rockwell? Yes. Incredible in any role. So annoying. I want to throw him so much. God. And he fakes Vanko's death and uh, gets him out of there, makes a deal with him to make Iron Man-like suits for Hammer Industries while everybody thinks Vanko is dead. Uh, Vanko says he can do that, but after some time, uh, Vanko goes back on what he says, saying that he can make drones, not suits. After Justin Hammer tries to make his poor bodyguard shove his head in a drone. <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what a douchehead. So Stark ends up having a huge birthday blowout. He gets drunk. So he fights with Rhodey because he's being an asshole who has since changed from the last movie. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. This Rhodey is so much better. Mm. And um, Rhodey ends up wearing a suit for the first time during the battle, then flies off and delivers it to the U.S. military. Rude. Well, Tony Stark is eating a donut and sitting in a giant donut. Nick Fury <laughs> comes in and is like, hey, get your ass down here. This is where we find out that Natalie Rushman is, in fact, an undercover agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. named Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. the Black Widow, and that Howard Stark was actually a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then we all die because Bye. Natasha Romanoff is amazing. <laughs> yep. Fury gives Tony some of his father's old materials, and the younger Stark finds that Howard had been working on a new element that could revolutionize the arc reactor. Jarvis help, helps him synthesize the new elephant. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been a very different movie. <laughs> oh, boy. The new element... <laughs> And it stabilizes the arc reactor. <laughs> it was so perfect. It came up with no, like, it was like, oh no. 
God damn it. Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> At Stark Expo, Hammer unveils the drones that Vanko has made and led by Rhodey, who is now War Machine which is the suit that he took from Stark. Stark arrives and tries to warn Rhodey that they've been double-crossed by Hammer, but Vanko ends up taking control of War Machine and all of the drones that he made for Hammer. Hammer ends up being cornered by Romanoff, Pepper, and Happy, and uh, they find out where Vanko is, so Romanoff and Happy go off to stop him while Pepper calls the cops. This is where we finally get to see the Black Widow in action and takes out a whole bunch of fucking people. It's so So good. So many thighs. (laughs) There are really only two, but they're spinning all over the place. It feels like a lot. By the time she does get there, Vanko has already gotten away, but Romanoff returns control of War Machine to Rhodey, so that way Stark and Rhodey can defeat the army of robots and then Vanko. In the aftermath of it all... Fury tells Stark that he's not suitable for the Avengers initiative, but S.H.I.E.L.D. would keep him on as a consultant. And then in post-credit scene, Agent Coulson reports the discovery of a large hammer in New Mexico. It's a large hammer. Large. So what we need to know from this movie, Tony's arc reactor is no longer killing him. Natalie Rushman is Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. the Black Widow. And Nick Fury is the boss. We got... Mjolnir showing up <laughs> and uh, that leads into Thor oh. 2011. So it starts, gives us a little background way back in 965 AD two armies collided, one led by the king of Asgard, Odin and the other headed by Lufe, king of the cross giants, Laufey. the frost Luffy Laufey, Laufey. Mm-hmm. those letters don't make that I mean, technically they can. (laughs) (laughs) Why are there so many vowels? Because it's all fucking Norse nonsense. You're right. It's either too many vowels or too many consonants. (laughs) Why can't they just all be easy like Thor and Odin and Sif? And Loki? (laughs) Let's just stay with those. If you just keep it at four letters, we're good to go. Um, you just be Lauf. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's the king of the Frost Giants. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Odin wins and seizes their weapon, the Casket of Ancient Winters. Back in modern times, Thor, being full of righteousness, hears the fro- that a Frost Giant has somehow made its way to Asgard to steal the casket to settle matters. Thor, his brother Loki, and Thor's friends, Sif, and the um, Warriors Three. Warriors Three, yep. <laughs> Voyage to the home of the Frost Giants. They are defeated, and Odin comes and saves them all. And then he exiles Thor to Earth and enchants Thor's hammer with a spell that allows only the wor- worthy to wield it. So as Thor is falling to Earth, he falls into Dr. Jane Foster's car in New Mexico. <laughs> she is an uh, astrophysicist who is accompanied by intern Darcy oh, and Darcy. Dr. Eric Selvik. Little baby Darcy. Little baby Darcy. <laughs> so they locate um, Mjolnir 
And it is was found by S.H.I.E.L.D. So Thor ends up breaking into a little makeshift base that S.H.I.E.L.D. set up around the hammer. But he can't lift it. He's very dramatic about it. And then he gets arrested. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, that's what. And it's raining. And there's lightning. And his shirt and he's is so wet. Tight. <laughs> and his hair is plastered to his face. Also there kind of I was I was really just gonna say, and this is where we first meet Hawkeye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I always forget this is where we first meet Hawkeye. Yeah, Thor is such a drama. <laughs> oh my god, what are you? Like in Asgard, I was gonna say among the Asgardians, you're like. Um, you're the one of the worst. It's true. Somehow Loki ended up on the right planet because he's not Asgardian, but he's, he's dramatic as wicked fuck. fucking dramatic. <laughs> now, is that okay, nature versus nurture? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Ooh, that's a good question. Um. Odin, we're not saying it's your fault, but maybe everything is. <laughs> I mean, Hela's pretty fucking dramatic too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Hela in the comics is Loki's daughter, which still makes her a dramatic. Piece. Yes. So back in Asgard, Loki finds out he's a frost giant and was adopted by Odin. Loki confronts Odin, then saps Odin's energy, sending him into a deep sleep. Odin sleep. Loki ascends to Asgard's throne and goes to Laufe? Laufe? Laufe. Laufe? Laufe. Sorry. Laufe. <laughs> How French are we going here? I, I went too French. That's what happened. Pull it back. We're in Norse. Lafay. <laughs> he wears a beret. He has a tiny mustache. I just imagine he's best friends with Lumiere. <laughs> they can't get too close because hot and cold. Oh no. I'm writing this fanfic. <laughs> Thank God I'm not actually writing this fanfic. Um, I ship it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he goes there. He proposes to kill Odin and steal back the casket of ancient winters because he's a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. So Sif and the Warriors 3 use the Bifrost to voyage to Earth to tell Thor that Loki has taken over Asgard. Loki sends a destroyer after them. Thor hurts himself saving uh, his best friends and becomes worthy again. So he can then pick up his hammer and defeat the destroyer. And then they all go home to go after Loki. And Jane's like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, I can't believe you whirlwinded into my life like this. (laughs) Literally. Exactly. (laughs) And then rainbowed out. What the fuck? (laughs) So Loki, meanwhile, betrays La (laughs) I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, That would be... Lumiere's partner. Lumiere. <laughs> um, he betrays Laufey and attempts to destroy the home of the Frost Giants using the unbridled power of the Bifrost. Thor stops Loki and Loki appears to commit suicide by jumping off the Bifrost and it ends where everybody thinks Loki is dead. An after credit scene shows Selvik meeting Nick Fury, showing him a mysterious object in a briefcase. Fury mentions that it has untapped power, and in the mirror, we can see Loki instructing Salvik to agree. 
Dun, 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 dun. All right. So what we need to remember, Thor and the Asgardians, mm-hmm. they are the first cosmic characters to appear in the MCU. Loki reveals himself as the main villain of phase one. And then we get our first glimpse of the Tesseract, a super powerful artifact in the post credit scene. Next up, very shortly after, Captain America 2011. Oh. So Captain America, the final of the main three to debut, uh, it starts in 1942. Johann Schmidt, a Nazi officer. Boo. Two thumbs down. (laughs) He seizes a powerful ancient relic called the Tesseract. Schmidt and his scientist, Dr. Arnim Zola, wants to use the power of the Tesseract to create devastating weaponized technology. So in New York, Steve Rogers wants to serve his country, but fails every health test when he tries to enroll in the army since he has a page long list of illnesses. And I don't know how he leaves his house. Mm -hmm. He's also like three inches tall. Bucky keeps him in his pocket. He cuddles up in his little pocket square when he's Mm -hmm. cold. No. (laughs) Makes me want to throw up. All right, so after nearly getting beat up in an alleyway, his best friend, James Bucky Barnes, ends up saving him and then informs Steve that he's off to war the following day. Rogers does end up getting enrolled uh, or enlisted. He is extremely weak physically, but he does catch the eye of Dr. Eskrin. Erskine. 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 Skinny. That's his podcast. Um, <laughs> I hate myself. Me too. <laughs> um, as well as Agent Pe- Peggy Carter and the Colonel. Rogers is chosen for a special experiment after he selflessly dives on a live grenade to save his fellow soldiers. Who were dickheads. And who were dickheads. Exactly. Just to point out here too, Peggy also runs to towards oh, the yeah. grenade before Steve jumps on it. Because that's who she is, too. Mm-hmm. And he would have made an incredible Captain America. Yes. And when that what if comes, comes out, out I'm going to cry yep. loudly. Yep. Oh, very loudly. And potentially plan a costume. <laughs> Rogers ends up being transformed into Captain America. Unfortunately, the poor doctor is killed by the an assassin who then says, Hail Hydra, and chomps on the... Cyanide. Cyanide. There we go. And I think this is the first time we ever hear Hear Hydra. Hydra. Yes. After feeling nothing more than a dancing monkey selling just bonds, Roger finds out that Bucky and his squad are missing in action. With the help of Agent Carter and Howard Stark, he rescues Bucky and his team from a Hydra base being used by Schmidt. 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 (laughs) This is where Schmidt rips off his face. I'm revealing you as a mask, and that his true appearance is just a disgusting red skull. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is me laughing way too much at my own joke. Oh, it's not even that funny. So, Rogers and Bucky go on the attack of all these Hydra bases. Then there's the mission we all dread when it happens, they're targeting a train carrying Dr. Zola, and they plan to capture him. But Bucky is blown out of the train, 
which is very high up. And Steve, unable to save him, watches as his best friends fall to what seems to be his death. Steve's really upset. Really upset. Like, <laughs> drinks a lot upset. Achilles, Patroclus upset. <laughs> it's really, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> just throwing that out there. And after interrogating Zola, they discover the location of the last Hydra base, which Steve finds out that Schmidt is going to use the weapons stored there to attack American cities. Steve and Schmidt clash on the aircraft, and during the struggle, uh, Schmidt ends up touching the Tesseract with his bare hands, and it doesn't go well for him. With a burning bright light, the Tesseract dissolves a hole into the plane's floor and falls into the ocean. Don't touch those things. No. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm good. None of this shit is my fucking problem. Um, They're like, a grenade's going off, and I'm like, I'm so far away I'm right going now. that way. I have never been around a grenade to go off, because I wouldn't have joined the army. <laughs> All right, so with bombs on the plane and it's heading for the States too fast, Steve sees no other option than to crash it into the Arctic. So that way the bombs won't go off hurting any people because he's Steve Rogers. So he does and then there's no more Steve. So months later, Howard Stark finds the Tesseract but is unable to hunt down Rogers who is presumed dead, killed in action. However, the super soldier wakes up in a room which is made to look like it's from the 1940s, escaping the confines. He discovers that he's actually in modern day New York and enter in Nick Fury, who's like, hey, sorry, but we have a mission for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you just woke up and this is a lot to take in modern day New York, but we need you again. But... So um, what we need to take note of from this movie Captain America is chronologically the first superhero to be revealed. Bucky Barnes, Captain America's best friend, apparently dies in battle. <clears throat> and we see the power of the Tesseract for the first time. And then, of course, it is important that Steve Rogers has been awakened in the modern world. Mm -hmm. All also, right. So uh, Hydra is Nazis. Yes. And Hydra is Nazis and Hydra is awful. And, and Hydra is always Nazis. And... It may seem like they destroyed them, but they did not. It's a problem with Nazis. <sighs> All right. To end phase one, we have Avengers 2012. So the Avengers kicks off with Loki being promised domination of Earth. If he can bring the Tesseract to the Chitari. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s main facility is evacuated after the Tesseract, which is being studied by Dr. Salvik, starts to act strange. Loki steals the blue cube and brainwashes Clint Barton and Dr. Salvik. Fury needs to get the Tesseract back, so he triggers the Avengers initiative. Natasha is sent to get Bruce Banner. Tony Stark is recruited by Coulson, and Cap is by recruited by Nick Fury. Loki makes a scene, and he gets taken in by S.H.I.E.L.D. Thor intercepts it and tries to take Loki back to Asgard, but in the end, everyone agrees that Loki will be most uh, most secure in the vault meant for the Hulk on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s helicarrier, and thus, Thor has joined the party. Yay! I just think of, like, in um, RPGs where they're like, Thor has joined the party! Literally just D&D. <laughs> Like, yeah, sweet. <laughs> After everyone gets in an argument over the Tesseract, 
and Loki Spectre and the weapons that S.H.I.E.L.D. is secretly trying to build with Mm. unknown technology. Some of Loki's goons end up attacking and all hell breaks loose. Bruce turns into the Hulk and eventually plummets into a ruined building. Thor gets tricked into going into Loki's cell and is ejected from the helicarrier in the super prison. Loki kills Agent Coulson, sort of. And one of the helicarrier's engines fails, um, but it ends up being fixed by Tony with Steve's help. Natasha hits Clint really hard in the head and ends up breaking him from Loki's brainwashing. Yay! <laughs> Not the breaking the brainwashing, just hitting Clint. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in New York, Loki combines the machine that Dr. Selvig's been building with the Tesseract to open a wormhole that lets the Chitari army through. Mayhem ensues, and all the Avengers arrive to fight the alien. They pan over all six of them for the first time, and we officially get to see the Avengers, and the whole theater goes wild. It's three in the morning. It's great. Oh my god, it is three in the morning. And it's great, and we're in Boston. I think I lost my car. And we lost Martha's car. And I was like, no, it's just on... No one's gonna steal your shit box. Oh my god. Yeah, no no one's gonna... A, no one's gonna steal it. B, you didn't pay attention to which fucking floor you were on, and that's because you're dumb. Oh, shit. Alright, so... As they're fighting giant Chitari armies. Natasha finds Dr. Salvik, who was also hit on the head real hard and is broken from his mind control. He lets Nat know that he built in a hidden shutoff switch to the wormhole using Loki's scepter. During this battle, the board members running S.H.I.E.L.D. or whoever they are, decide to send a nuke into (laughs) New York to stop the alien invasion. So Tony ends up needing to fly the rocket through the wormhole and puts it on the collision course with the Chitari mothership, which explodes into a big ball of fire. Nat ends up closing the portal and Tony falls out just in time and is caught by the Hulk because we're not sure if he's dead or not. He's not. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There's a lot more movies. (laughs) Loki is taken back to Asgard by Thor and the Avengers disperse. The Chitari leader tells his master that things haven't gone quite to plan. And this reveals the mind behind the attacks is none other than Thanos, the Mad Titan. Other than this being one of the best Avengers movies, I think. What's most important is Loki is captured and brought back to Asgard. Thanos is introduced. Thanos is introduced. There's Ness on the end of his name. And the Avengers. I change them to thanks all the time. <laughs> it's super annoying. <laughs> it's so fucking annoying. I'm like, no. No, that's clearly not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> God damn it. And the Avengers have formally united and became a thing. All right, so that's phase one, and now we're going on to phase two. It starts with Iron Man 3, which was in 2013. So Tony Stark is suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder after the events of, of the Avengers, and his relationship with Pepper Potts is deteriorating because of it. He copes by manically constructing Iron Man suits and invites an elusive, and then ends up inviting an elusive terrorist called the Mandarin to attack his home because he didn't just get therapy. Tony, you have so much money. But we're going to end that there because that will be a topic of next week. Yes. 
<laughs> get or, therapy. Or he gets therapy and lies to his therapist. Because yeah. it's very possible yeah. that he's still That's getting true. it because Pepper's making it. Yes, this is true. Stark is badly beaten, but he eventually ends up revealing the Mandarin's true identity, along with his plot to take over the U.S. government with a genetic engineering program called Extremis. Extremis? Extremis? I don't remember how it was pronounced there. It was always Extremis in my head when I read the comments. Yeah, because it's just M-I-S at the end, yeah. so it could really go either way. Yeah. Tony fails to kill the Mandarin, who we find out is a scientist named Eldritch Killian, and that he was slighted by Tony long ago, and that's why he wants to do this. I don't fucking know. Um, but... Holding on to, like, <laughs> such a stupid... Oh my god, that whole goddamn fucking piece of nonsense. Yes. Yes, yes we got boss-ass Pepper out of it, and that's yes. all I really yes. fuck about, but... So, Pepper ends up winning the fight because of her new powers derived from Extremis. Uh, what we need to remember is Pepper is a badass, yep. and she can now use a suit, mm-hmm. and Tony is PTSD, and he destroyed all the suits. Yep. That, yeah, they were the one I was reading all the reviews, they were like, this one doesn't actually, isn't that important to... It isn't. It, no. Yeah. So when, when Endgame, and, or maybe when Infinity War was coming out, I had a lot of people asking me, like, okay, I need to get on this shit so and i was like these are the ones you watch these are the ones yeah i think the only reason that it's important is because he destroyed all of his suits all of his suits that's really and i guess because he could he he was able to then also get the surgery to take the arc arc reactor reactor. (laughs) i was like tesseract wrong thing (laughs) wrong glowy thing All right, Thor, Dark World, 2013. Let's go through this real quick because this movie's not great, though it does have some funny parts. An army of evil alien, dark elves, debut in this uncharacteristically grim Marvel movie. Thor and Loki team up to stop them because, shocking, Loki's not dead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But their mother does die in the process. Loki also seems to sacrifice himself, but it is revealed to us later that he's still alive and impersonating Odin at the end of the movie. Uh, what's important from this movie, the Dark Elves super weapon referred to as the Ether for most of the movie is revealed to actually be an Infinity Stone. We learn that the Tesseract is also an Infinity Stone, and we meet the alien aristocrat called the Collector who plans on collecting all six stones. All right. Captain America, Winter Soldier, 2014. Yes. A.K.A. the best movie. So I'm going to try to keep this as quick as possible. <laughs> I'll literally keep my fist in my mouth. So after the events of the Avengers, the world has changed and S.H.I.E.L.D. is keen to stay on uh, top one step ahead of global and extraterrestrial terrorism such by using something called Project Insight. So this is a trio of always flying helicarriers that can strike out any target anywhere in the world at any time, millions at a time if needed. Cap takes issue with this and argues with Nick Fury, shocking, (laughs) about the necessity of the project. And then Fury agrees. And when he drives to meet a fellow S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, there's an attempt on his life by someone known as the Winter Soldier. And Fury just manages to escape. Later that day, Cap returns home to find Fury in his apartment. And he's like, hey, don't trust anyone. And they're listening. Bugs, ears and bugs and everything are everywhere. He then gets shot. 
And Cap pulls him out of the way. And as he's doing that, he hands Cap a USB drive and tells him to trust no one. Agent 13 crashes through the door, calling for the paramedics. And Cap takes off to chase after the shooter. It's all for nothing because he doesn't catch him. But we do find him following the super badass who catches a shield. I also love the scene because it's one of those scenes where it's like, Cap, you have no idea what your body is and you're just running into walls because you have no control. You're like, I'm strong. This is fine. And it's like, oh God. What are you doing, Bubby? So um, Fury ends up dying in the hospital. And Rogers is questioned by Alexander Pierce, one of the senior S.H.I.E.L.D. officer, uh, official people, whatever. And when Fury, uh, about when Fury was in his apartment, Steve refuses to tell Pierce much. And because of this, well, he says because of this, Pierce brands Cap as a fugitive. And this ends up leading to one of the best fights in an elevator before Uh, he escapes S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. Yes. So good. Oh my god, so satisfying. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Nat, who is devastated by Fury's death and knows Steve is up to something and a really bad liar, she <laughs> finds his little he the, the the USB and questions him. And this is where she brings up the Winter Soldier. So this is where he finally gets a name. And then they end up reading of the USB and they find coordinates to a military bunker in New Jersey. And this is where they discover that Hydra has been growing inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ugh, like a fungus. Literally like a fungus, like a virus. Cap and Widow are almost killed by an incoming missile strike, um, but they make it out because... Cap's good at hiding Cap behind is good the shield. At hiding behind the shield. It's so cute. He's like, I got you, Nat. And she's like, oh shit. I'm not built for this. <laughs> this is not my thing. <laughs> um, and then they end up seeking refuge and help from Sam Wilson, a former US a pararescue who pilots an advanced flight suit. Steve's been flirting with. (laughs) Who who Steve has been flirting with, but also Sam instantly flirted with Nat. So (laughs) they're all meant to be. And she flirted back. It never happens. (laughs) They get his suit, and Sam becomes Falcon. And the trio target Jasper Sitwell, who they know to be a Hydra mole, and he reveals that Project Insight has been created to eliminate anyone who is going to oppose or could oppose Hydra. They're ambushed by the Winter Soldier for another epic fucking fight scene. And this is where the Winter Soldier is revealed as Bucky Barnes. Bucky had been healed by Hydra and programmed to be a loyal assassin, and he also got a sweet metal arm. So, <laughs> and a nice long hairdo. And my little hair. <laughs> For those of you who don't exactly know how the scene goes, Steve and Bucky are fighting. They're doing a cool knife fight. Steve grabs Bucky's face, essentially, and, like, throws him, and it pulls off the muzzle that Bucky is wearing, because it is a muzzle. Yeah. And Bucky had already pulled off his glasses because Nat shot them. That's where Steve realizes it's Bucky, and he's all like, Bucky. And so we were at the fake midnight premiere because at this time there aren't any more midnight premieres. It's like nine o'clock. And there was like 10 people in the movie theater. Yeah. It wasn't that full. And 
everybody's just like, whatever. Like, we all know it's coming. This Obvious. is a sweet fucking scene, though. Like, if everything's good. Any of the, if you, you could tell in the other yeah, scene, it was fucking. They Bucky. weren't trying to fucking hide it. They show you Bucky's face like 30 <laughs> goddamn times. So, there's one girl who's sitting a couple seats in front of us, and she does, you have to do it because I can't gasp like that. No. She does the biggest gasp. <gasps> like, sh- <laughs> Like oh, like literally, I was like, "That's the biggest like, gasp no I've ever heard." Grab her chest, yeah. Because there's no way. I there's no way. I think I grabbed my chest <laughs> when she did it. And where was Jess as well, our friend and listener Jess? And the three of us just sort of look at each other and then burst out laughing. There's no way she didn't know we were laughing at her. How did you not? I mean, you deserve to be laughed at for that. I don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> and then we proceed to talk about it. Oh god! Seven years later, yep. see, lady, I hope you have anxiety about that fucking gas because people still do talk about that gas. <laughs> I hope you don't because that's the exact sort of dumb thing that I would do and then have anxiety about seven years later. <laughs> so. You did scream over Gamora when you knew she was going to cut oh, that piece of grass. Yes. Literally, the amount of times I've screamed in a movie theater is too many, so let's not talk about it. The three end up being captured by S.H.I.E.L.D., which is essentially just Hydra at this point, but the world doesn't know that, and they are nearly executed, but badass Maria Hill ends up saving them and brings them underground, where we find Fury is still alive. (gasps) Yes, thank you so much! I was just gonna say, she didn't gasp over that. (laughs) And that was more shocking. Uh, yep. <laughs> God damn it. I'm All right. Give a dramatic gasp because I'm almost always that person. I wasn't in this one instance, so I got to laugh at her. But it's usually me. It's usually me. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. So they end up hatching a plan to strike the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. They infiltrate the headquarters. And uh, Steve gives one of his awesome speeches that mm-hmm. call upon any loyal S.H.I.E.L.D. members to rise up and fight against HYDRA. Doesn't go so well for most of them, but Sharon's a badass. And then Widow ends up leaking all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s and HYDRA's secrets to the world. Fury turns up and kills Pierce, and the helicarriers are destroyed. Yay. Cat faces off against the Winter Soldier on the board of the helicarrier, with the helicarrier about to fall out of the sky. Steve refuses to fight Bucky, telling him, you're my friend, and I'm with you till the end of the line. (laughs) Stop there. And then after smashing Steve's face in a few more times, he stops, but Steve ends up falling into the Potomac. And even though Bucky isn't really sure what the fuck is happening, he does have some kind of memories and he does feel like he knows Steve. So he ends up falling in after him, pulling him out of the water and then walks off. It ends with Romanoff being interrogated by the Senate. Steve in the hospital with Sam on his left playing Marvin Gaye. <clears throat> and Bucky Barnes visits the Smithsonian to look at history of himself trying to figure out who the fuck he is. So we're going to end there because... I could go on and on and on about that, but what do this we need? This could literally just be a Winter Soldier movie podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You could probably get 48 episodes. I that. absolutely think I could. 
And let's see. So what do we need from this movie other than the fact that it is great and the best one? The Winter Soldier is revealed to be Bucky Barnes. S.H.I.E.L.D. is dismantled. Nick Fury fakes his own death. And then Wanda and Pietro appear for the first time in post-credit scenes. Right. All right. Next up, Guardians of the Galaxy 2014. So it starts with the young Peter Quill saying goodbye to his mother who's dying in a hospital while handing him an awesome mixtape. Really is awesome. Mm -hmm. Quill runs outside and then is abducted by an alien ship. Womp womp. Shroop. Years later, Quill, calling himself Mm Star-Lord, finds a mysterious orb on a dead planet. However, a group attacks Quill. They belong to Ronan, a Kree fanatic tasked with getting the orb for Thanos because it contains an Infinity Stone. Played by super hot Lee Pace. (laughs) He's 6'5". Did you know that? Jesus Christ. Quill escapes with the orb and heads to Xandar where he attempts to sell it. There he gets in a fight with Gamora, one of Thanos' adopted daughters, who is trying to retrieve the orb. Then bounty hunters Rocket and Groot get involved because they want the reward that's put on Quill's head. All four of them end up getting caught and sent to prison. Here is where they meet the inmate called Drax, whose family was murdered by Ronan, and the five of them form an unlikely alliance to escape. Having broken out of prison, they head to Nowhere, where they try to sell the orb to the Collector. He reveals that the orb is an Infinity Stone, and the Collector's museum ends up being destroyed by one of his slaves when she tries to grab the stone. Doesn't go well for her. Mm. Nope. Nope. Uh, Meanwhile, Drax is very drunk and has informed Ronan of their whereabouts because he's desperate to confront the enemy. Yep, they face off against Ronan and then Thanos' other daughter, who we find out is Nebula. Ronan takes the orb, while the defeated Quill and Gamora ended up being picked up by the crew of the Ravagers so they don't freeze in space. Quill's former captain, uh, Yondo, the alien that originally abducted Peter as a child, Groot, Rocket, and Drax find the Ravager ship and end up getting invited on board after saying they're going to blow it up by the count of three. And (laughs) (laughs) this is where they get together with Quill and Gamora, and they hatch 12% of a plan to recover the orb. Ronan decides to keep the Infinity Stone to himself, defying Thanos, and uses it to attack Xandar. However, the Nova Corps are waiting for it, thanks to um, Peter's message to them. And with the upper hand, Quill's group breaks into Ronan's ship. Gamora confronts Nebula, and the team attacks Ronan. However, he's too powerful, and they're only saved when the aircraft come crashing down, and Groot ends up covering them with wood and shields them from the fall, and then smashes into a lot of pieces, and it's sad. It's sad. But then we get baby Groot, so it's okay. (laughs) Okay, so Ronan survives, and just before he's like, screw this, I'm going to destroy the planet... Quill distracts him with the dance-off and then literally grabs a stone. All of them grab onto him. They all nearly die, but they end up saving the day instead. The power of friendship. Because that's who they are. We all nearly died, but we figured it out. Mm -hmm. Sort of. of. (laughs) (laughs) This probably won't have adverse effects for the rest of our lives. Nope. They keep the stone on Xandar in a vault, and this is also where it's revealed that Quill is not a purebred human, but they're not really sure what he is. And then the team that are officially now known as the Guardians of the Galaxy head out on new adventures. Rocket ends up saving a little piece of Groot to grow a new version of him in a pot, and he's super cute. So this is a great movie. 
And then what it means to the MCU is this is where we see our third Infinity Stone in the MCU. It's the Power Stone. Mm-hmm. Ronan and his forces are Kree, which is a big alien race in Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then Thanos is a huge part of this film for the first time. Other than just this weird back giant scary thing. Ooh, I have a deep voice. And, and I look like a grape. It's true. He's like a withered, dry, dehydrating like, old grape. Not quite a raisin. <laughs> I'm not a grape. But not yet a raisin. <laughs> no. All I need is time. <laughs> and some sunshine. <laughs> oh no. I <laughs> I'm so filled with regret. <laughs> so um, good. <laughs> it's like solid. We could make a full song. Yeah, we could. Okay. No, let's not. I think we should though. <laughs> All right. Next up, Age of Ultron, 2015, Avengers 2. Possibly one of the most important films leading up to Endgame. There is a lot of like bits. Yeah, that lead um to a point where tony even says this is the end game or like that's the end game pointing up to space the avengers assault a hydro stronghold where wolfgang von strucker has been running experiments on loki's staff which was stolen at the end of the avengers the team encounters the special twins on the battlefield babies (laughs) babies but tony manages to grab the staff and takes it back to stark tower even even though wanda does get in his head a little bit He and Banner run experiments on it, and this is where Tony convinces Banner to try to create Ultron. Ultron is born and takes control of several Iron Legion robots and end up fighting the Avengers right at Stark Towers. Or Stark Tower, it's just one. And they end up, when they do defeat him, Ultron just retreats into the internet and uh, begins building an army of robots from Strucker's Hydra facility. What I've been doing this entire pandemic has been retreating into the end. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. That's all. <laughs> um, Ultron tracks down smuggler Ulysses Claw, who has stolen a stack of vibranium from the nations of Wakanda. Bitch. To build himself a new body. Ultron, not Claw. Oh. <laughs> As I read that, I was like, oh, I should clarify that. Which one is, so, Claw stole it. Yes. Ultron tracks him down the new body. to build himself a new body. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, I'm really glad you did, because I was like, I don't remember that part of that. I mean, I guess fair. <laughs> Who doesn't want to I mean, have you seen yourself, body? Claw? You're pretty gross. You should You're want a new body. Grimy. <laughs> uh, the Avengers attempt to shut down, uh, shot Ultron down, but most of the team ends up incapacitated uh, by Wanda, who is working with Ultron, and um, she doesn't like Stark. I mean, fair girl. During the battle, Wanda plays a bunch of mind games on almost everyone. Um, because of this, the Hulk ends up tearing up a nearby town. So the team ends up being forced to lay low for a while, and which they do so at Hawkeye's farm. This is where we find out that Hawkeye... That they gave Hawkeye has a family. family. No, Hawkeye is a hot mess. No, yeah, I refuse. That is the only Hawkeye I want. Deaf and a hot mess. Deaf, hot mess. The only family he has is a found family and also a brother who's a shithead. Yes. I will say, I do like this part, though, because Chris Evans looks 
really oh, hard chopping wood. I just <sighs> ripping the thing. The in ripping that that's my favorite you know, little gift to send of all time. That's like uh, uh, the one I send all the time. Anyways, Nick Fury shows up and he's like, "Hey, you morons! The only way you're gonna be able to stop Ultron is if you fucking fight him together." I am gone. I'm just trying to live a peaceful life and you keep fucking everything up. Nick Fury's on the moon. <laughs> Nick Fury is also on the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he pops back down and he's like, God damn it. <laughs> you really gonna make me be your parent? I'm trying to be the fun uncle. <laughs> just trying to drink my expensive whiskey. <laughs> just trying to be your drunkle on the moon. <laughs> Actually, aspiration. <laughs> Shit. All right. Your moon drunkle. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ultron ends up going to Dr. Helen Cho and forces her slash mind controls her to build him a body out of the vibranium with replicated human tissue and with the mind infinity stone, which was in Loki's staff. Yes. He reveals his true intentions to wipe out the human race. Wanda and Pietro are like, <laughs> We didn't sign up for that. And oh, no, I'm in the human race. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally something I can see Pietro saying. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wait. Wanda, we're, we're humans. humans. Yes, Pietro. We need to go. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. All right. So uh, they end up switching sides because they're like, oh, no, this is more than we signed up for. The Avengers show up to steal Ultron's new body. And with there's a nice, big, massive fight. And they manage to steal the body. But Ultron ends up kidnapping Black Widow. Baby. No. It's okay. She's fine. Yeah. Spoiler. So Stark insists on planting Jarvis in the body, uh, believing that it's the only way to stop Ultron. And the result is the Vision, who agrees to fight alongside the Avengers against Ultron. And that's when they track him down to the city of Sokovia. When they arrive, Ultron has put, like, jets under the city. And it... Starts to fly in the air. I don't really know, but it happened. Pick it up and drop it. (laughs) Essentially, that's what he plans on doing. He's going to bring it up as high as he can and then drop it as if it's a meteor wiping out the Earth's race, I guess. What a brilliant robot you are. I mean, going back to the basics. Ugh, fuck off. For real. (laughs) Martha doesn't like Ultron. I fucking hate Ultron. He is boring. He's a loser. He's boring. The Avengers and what's left of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up to evacuate the city while it's floating on upwards. There's another epic battle, and they save everyone that's on the floating city. Vision kills Ultron. Pietro Pietro dies. Pietro dies because he saves Hawkeye and some kid. Ugh. I know, right? This is why you don't give Hawkeye a stupid fucking family. It's true. First of all, Hawkeye dies like 12 times in the comics, and it's not a big deal. (laughs) The Hulk is last seen flying away in a stealth jet. Hawkeye ends up retiring. Tony takes a step back from the fighting and Thor goes back to Asgard to figure out why all these stones keep showing up. Back at the new Avengers HQ, uh, Black Widow and Captain America begin overseeing the training of the new members of the Avengers, Vision, Falcon, Wanda, and the War Machine. And Wanda's boobs look intense in that outfit. Right. Like, whoa. 
girl, you were just wearing, like, goth clothes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No wonder she was like, I'm not doing that in my new outfit. Make sure my new outfit doesn't have my tits out, because that doesn't make any fucking sense for any person who's ever fought who has tits. It's true. No. Boo. Wrong. Um, all right. So the important parts of this movie, because there are a bunch of them. Wanda, Vision, and War Machine join the Avengers. I guess Sam does officially too, but he was already sort of there. Mm-hmm. The fourth Infinity Stone is revealed, and it's the one placed in Vision's head. Wanda's power seems to come from the Mind Stone. Hulk is MIA. Ultron, a creation of the Avengers, nearly destroys Earth, and this encourages various governments to crack down on unregulated superhero activity. Wakanda and Vibranium is mentioned a lot. Or Vibranium is Wakanda. This is the first time it's mentioned. And then Thanos reveals the Infinity Gauntlet, which is meant to house all six Infinity Stones at the ending credits. Boo. Boo. (laughs) Next up, 2015, Ant-Man. Great movie. Yes. Great movie. Not a whole lot to do with the overall plot, so we're going to go through it quickly. Mm-hmm. So, forced out of his own company by a former protege, Darren Cross, Dr. Hank Pym uh, recruits the talents of Scott Lang. He recruits Scott Lang because Scott Lang is so cute. Um, and Scott is hot dad. Ugh. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd. And um, Paul uh, Scott Lang is a master thief, not Paul Rudd. He is a master thief. Know. I mean, it's true. You don't. don't sell you Paul can Rudd have my short. heart, Paul Rudd. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so Scott Lang is a master thief that's just released from prison. 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 I'm struggling. Lang becomes Ant-Man, trained by Pym and armed with a suit that allows him to shrink in size and also possess some superhuman human strength and control an army of ants. He doesn't really have superhuman strength. He is the strength of a person, but he's tiny. Yes. But he I feel can like go. It's a little bit more than like regular, regular human. Well, the way the way that Hope described it was very just like physics, yeah. like because you're tiny and going at it with that strength, it's like you're a bullet. Yes. Yes. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. There you go. But you're little. But you have a lot of power, and you're little, tiny, bitty, little teeny button, <laughs> and sometimes you ride on an ant. You have a bunch of aunt friends. You're your friends. Your aunt friends uh, <laughs> and your daughter. Scott, he's got to prevent Cross here from doing the yellow jacket thing because he's going to use it for evil because that's who he is. He ends up doing it anyways, of course. And Lang and Cross, both wearing suits, end up having a tiny, li- tiny little battle. <laughs> and of, small things turned big and pink things turned small. Yep. I said pink. You did. <laughs> like, that's fine. It's fine. You have a lot of pink things turned I, I, small. I do. It happens. So Lang ends up needing to go to some atomic uh, size to penetrate Cross's little suit. Cross dies in the process, but Lang seems to be lost somewhere in the quantum realm until he's able to reverse it and go back to his normal size when he hears Cassie calling him. What's important about this movie? I didn't mention her in this, but Hope Van Dyne is yes. important. <laughs> Hope Van Dyne also does a lot of the training. Yes, she does most of the training. Because she's cooler than anybody. It's true. The Quantum Realm and the introduction of Sandman. Uh, Sandman. <laughs> We're doing really good. I'm really excited to get to my half of this. <laughs> introduction of Ant-Man. 
and Sam finding out about him. And then the Accords are mentioned. And at the very end, it gives you a preview of Steve and Sam and they found Bucky. Right. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Because next up is Captain America Civil War 2016. This is where the feelings really start to come out. Uh Uh-huh. No worries. I got you. I'm ready to honk. Myself. All right. So the incident in Sokovia has led the world to distrust the Avengers after a mission goes wrong in Lagos and several Wakandan humanitarian workers got accidentally killed and they blamed Wanda. The world's governments decided to not, it wasn't a good idea to let enhanced humans run free without supervision. Tony Stark's guilt because he won't actually get some real therapy. He agrees and Cap does not agree. Meanwhile, Zemo uh, finds and kills one of the people who brainwashes Bucky and steals a notebook with the words that end up triggering his brainwashing again. Bucky's brainwashing. When the Avengers and the United, well, when Widow and the United Nations are at the conference in Vienna, because she's the only Avenger that's there, they're in Vienna to sign the Sokovia Accords, which will give the UN control over the Avengers. A huge explosion is set off and it's supposedly set off by Bucky Barnes and it ends up killing T'Challa's father, the King of Wakanda. T'Challa vows that he'll kill Bucky. Steve's not cool with this. And with Sharon's help, he finds Bucky is hiding in uh, Bucharest. Trying to buy some plums. He's just trying to buy he plums. some plums. So off Steve and Sam go. There's a sweet ass fight and a sweet ass chase scene. And T'Challa and the security forces end up getting to Bucky and everyone's arrested. So Zemo ends up gaining access to the facility by impersonating a psychiatrist who's there to talk to Bucky. And he ends up gaining control over Bucky by reading the words in that notebook. Under his instruction, Bucky wreaks havoc, and there's some more awesome fight scenes. The reason why I love this movie is because there's so many good no, action it's totally scenes. Totally true. And Steve, the action and, scenes in it are incredible. Yes, and there's so many hot people, and Sebastian Stan and and Chris Evans look so hot in all of them. But this movie itself makes no fucking sense and awful. But we'll we'll talk about that at a later date. So Steve, Sam, and Bucky escape and discover that Zemo is the real Vienna bomber and plans to wake up five more super soldiers that are in a hold, a hold, an old Hydra base that are currently in cryogenic stasis. We just left them in a hole. That's fine, right? <laughs> they're they're cool. Like we could get out, but we're gonna sit here. <laughs> Steve decides that they can't wait for any international approval, and he ends up getting Sam, Wanda, Clint, and Scott to help him. And then uh, when they attempt to head off to the Hydra base, they're at an airport, and Tony shows up with his own team, comprised of Natasha Romanoff, Vision, T'Challa, Peter Parker, and Rhodey. The two groups fight. Um, it's pretty, also a pretty sick scene. Yes. And then Natasha ends up switching sides and helps Steve and Bucky escape on the jet because they're both her base. In their attempt to stop the jet, War Machine ends up getting shot and he ends up being paralyzed. Those fighting on Steve's side end up, uh, except other than Steve and Bucky, end up not escaping and they get arrested. 
So Bucky and Cap make their way to a Hydra base to find Zemo. Starks also made it to the base, realizing that there's way more going on than what it seemed. They do not initially fight, but Zemo reveals that Bucky being brainwashed by Hydra killed Stark's parents. Tony ends up fighting both Steve and Bucky in his rage, destroying Bucky's robotic arm. Steve manages to break Tony's armor and leaves with Bucky, leaving the shield behind. Outside the facility, Zemo attempts to commit suicide, but is stopped by T'Challa. Bitch, you don't get to. Mm-hmm, essentially. Fuck yeah, T'Challa. Yes. Once uh, everything settles down, Tony provides the war machine with high, well, with Rhodes, with some uh, high-tech braces for his leg, and then Steve frees his allies from the government high-security prison. Bucky retreats to Wakanda, where he has asylum and is put in a cryogenic sleep to wait to, until Shuri finds a cure for his brainwashing. Because T'Challa was also like, hey man, sorry, I tried to kill you a bunch. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you killed I my like, dad. Really thought, and, and, and like, I feel like if anybody would be like, oh, I totally understand, it would be Bucky. <laughs> and he'd be like, it's like, cool, oh, yeah, I get it. It's fine. These things happen. <laughs> This is not the first time somebody has almost tried to kill me because they were wrong. <laughs> so what's important? This is the MCU's Black Panther and Spider-Man debut. Ant-Man is also introduced to the Avengers and it's revealed that he can now grow in his suit as well as shrink. And then the Winter Soldier goes into hiding in Wakanda where he is getting help from Shuri. So he isn't all Hydra-y and the Avengers officially break up. All right, Doctor Strange, quick, because I don't care. Dr. Stephen Strange, an arrogant surgeon who only takes patients that he finds interesting, loses the use of his hands after an accident. Desperate for a cure, he turns to the occult after learning the basics. He uses his time manipulating magic to defeat a demon, Dormammu, and uh, becomes a supernatural defender of the Earth. The notable events from Doctor Strange, he gains the power to control the time via the fifth infinity stone, the time stone. 2017, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Another great one, but there are a few parts that actually matter. The Guardians go out to search for Quill's biological father, sort of. They end up finding out that he is an ancient and powerful alien. Or, well, that's all they know him as. Turns out to be Ego. A living planet looking to expand its consciousness to multiple worlds across the universe. However, it comes out that Ego killed Quill's mother alongside countless half-siblings over all of the centuries in the process. So the team takes him down, but not before. But unfortunately, they lose Yondu in the process. And all of the godlike powers that Quill had from his father were destroyed when they destroyed Ego, because he was the planet. Mm-hmm. We got to see a lot more of the the galaxy in this uh, movie. Gamora reconciles with her sister, Nebula. Yay. Quill loses all of his godlike powers. Uh, Quill and Gamora end up in a relationship. And we get Mantis. Yay, baby. Yes. Spider-Man, uh, the first one, Homecoming 2017. After the events of Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man is a full-fledged superhero with a suit designed by Tony Stark, but he's regulated to dealing with minor, unfulfilling crimes. This changes when he runs runs into Vulture, a high-tech black marketeer that weaponized discarded superhero and villain equipment. Stark and Spider-Man develop more of a father-son relationship, and the Vulture is eventually arrested. 
this is the Spider-Man movie that all of us wanted and so all of good. us finally got. It was great, but yeah. there is very little that actually matters to Endgame. To Endgame. Besides um, feelings. Yes. So essentially it was just a way to, for us to get him to know him better after Civil War because that's when he was first introduced. <laughs> and then it is also where we get to see Peter and Tony start to get that father-son bond that is important to Endgame. And also Pepper and Tony get engaged at the end of it. Okay, Ragnarok, 2017, the Thor we all needed and the Thor we all deserved. Mm. And we also learn what Thor and Bruce have been up to since Ultron, since they haven't been around. (laughs) We find out that Loki isn't dead. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) And has banished Odin to Earth and he's taken his place. So with the help of Doctor Strange, Thor and Loki find Odin and discover that they have a secret older sister, Hela, who helped Odin conquer the galaxy thousands of years ago. She ended up being a bit too much, though, so Odin sealed her away and rewrote history without her. And as Odin is dying, he lets them know that his death will unbreak her seal. Thanks, Dad. Best Dad Award goes to Hela ends up conquering Asgard and slaughters essentially all of Thor's allies. The brothers are also exiled to a junk planet run by Jeff Goldblum. There they are (laughs) united with the Hulk who has become the star gladiator and uh, the planet's Coliseum. It's just Jeff Goldblum. It is. It's It's just who he is. That's why I love it. It's perfect. (laughs) And uh, they end up meeting our girl and new hero, Valkyrie. Best bitch. So the group defeats Hela by destroying Asgard with her still on it, leaving the surviving Asgardians adrift and homeless in space. But they don't get very far because then a huge ship shows up. Why this movie is important to the MCU. Asgard is no more and the people are refugees. Mjolnir was destroyed. Loki has the Tesseract. Thor is the king of Asgard. Valkyrie is everything. And Thanos intercepts the Asgardian refugee ship in post credit scenes. This is when shit gets real. But first, we're going to talk about Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 2018 was when Black Panther came out. We saw it in Florida. Yeah, we did. Oh, my God, we did. Yeah. Back when we could go places. <laughs> so T'Challa, king of an incredibly technologically advanced African country called Wakanda, is also the superhero called Black Panther. He keeps Wakanda's technology a secret and battles outside threats. However, he cannot defeat a, usur- a usurper called Eric Killmonger, who is later revealed to be his cousin. Killmonger Gosh. takes the throne. He then plans to invade the rest of the world using the Wakandan weapons in order to free black people born outside of Wakanda from systematic racism and oppression. So good intentions, not doing it the right way. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Magneto and him could have a club. That's true. <laughs> So T'Challa ultimately stops Killmonger, but is inspired uh, to end Wakanda's isolation in order to help uh, more people through nonviolent means. We could do a whole episode on why this movie is important, but we need to just talk about why it's important to the MCU and Endgame. 
Wakanda reveals its advanced technology uh, to the world. We discover the source of Wakandan power is the metal vibranium, which has been brought up a few other times and is what Cap Shield is made out of, in case you guys don't know. Mm-hmm. Bucky Barnes is shown in Wakanda again, where the children now refer to him as the White Wolf. And- Thriving! <laughs> yeah. And he's cured from Hydra's brainwashing, and he seems to be a little bit at peace. <laughs> and every female in this movie is amazing. Ugh. Jesus, that's fucking true. All right. Here we go. Avengers Infinity War. Okay. 2018. Having acquired the Power Stone, uh, one of the six Infinity Stones from the planet Xandar, Thanos and his lieutenants intercept the spaceship carrying the survivors of Asgard's destruction. After subduing Thor, Thanos extracts the Space Stone from the Tesseract, overpowers the Hulk, and kills Loki. Thanos also kills um, Hemdale, Hemdall, Heimdall. Heimdall, after he sends the Hulk to Earth using the Bifrost. And Thanos and the lieutenants leave, destroying the ship. So Hulk crash lands into the Sanctum Sanctorium in New York City, reverting to his former Bruce Banner. He warns Stephen Strange and Wong that Thanos plans to destroy half of the life on the in the universe, and they recruit Tony Stark. Ma and Obsidian arrive. Two of his people mm. uh, arrive to retreat the time zone from Strange. This draws in Peter Parker. He's like going on a field trip. Poor Peter Parker. His speeder, his speeder stones. Nah, his spider sense goes off. He's like, oh, stuff. If I, my, the spider sense goes off. And when I turn around, there's a giant alien ship in New He's York. Like, I feel like I should be worried about something. Is that just anxiety? Oh my God. Should I be referring to my anxiety as spider sense? Will that make me feel less shitty about it? It might. Hey. <laughs> All right. It's also a big lie, but it might. What the fuck ever. (laughs) So Ma is unable to take the time stone due to the enchantment that is on Strange's little necklace buddy there. But he captures Strange instead. And Stark and Parker sneak aboard Ma's ship while Wong stays behind to guard the sanctum. In Edinburgh, Midnight and Glaive. Glove. Glaive. Probably Glaive. Uh, ambush. These fucking, now these are just alien names, so who the fuck knows? Well, like, so A, yes, but also Obsidian, Midnight, and Glaive are literally all just like, like if you were a stupid goth kid. That's these are the names of fucking goth kids. <laughs> I wouldn't kids know. I wasn't a goth kid. <laughs> fucking South Park. You're right. A Glaive is what, um, fucking Hotaru wields. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So they ambush Wanda and Vision to retrieve the Mind Stone from Vision's forehead. Steve, Natasha, and Sam end up showing up and rescuing them. Beard Um, Steve. Beard forearm Bearded forearm giant Steve. Chris Evans just keeps getting bigger somehow. I don't know how it happens. Sir, can you stop? Because my heart can't handle this. They're actually just shrinking his head. And making his clothes tighter. Yes. (laughs) They're like, Nat, just stand a little bit closer to him. Can you stand a little bit further back in the foreground (laughs) so you look smaller? (laughs) Tony Stark is already tiny, so we're good to go with that. Sam, all the way in the back. (laughs) God. 
So they rescue Vision and Wanda, and then they take shelter with Rhodes and Banner at the Avengers compound. Vision asks Wanda to destroy him and the Mind Stone to keep Thanos from retrieving it, but Wanda's already caught feels, so she's like, fuck no, and then we cried about it. Mm-hmm. And then Steve suggests that they travel to Wakanda, because he thinks that Shuri could probably figure out how to remove the stone without killing Vision, because Shuri is bae. She thinks that Shuri is going to make everybody look like a bitch, and then she does. (laughs) And then she does. Mm -hmm. So the Guardians of the Galaxy respond to a distress call from the Asgardian uh, ship, and they rescue Thor, who is like, hey, Thanos is going after the reality stone, which is possessed by what's his name on Nowhere? Collector. Collector. Thor travels with Rocket and Groot to Nita Valir to enlist the aid of the Dwarf King, Eitri, E-I-T-R-I. That sounds good. (laughs) That I don't know. Anyways, he... It's Petri. (laughs) He's just a Petri dish. Mm -hmm. He's all like, hey, my hammer's broken, but I need you to make me this battle axe stormbreaker so I can kill Thanos. And it happens. So while that's happening... Quill, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis travel to nowhere, and they find Thanos with the reality stone already in possession. Thanos kidnaps Gamora, who discloses the soul stone location to save Nebula from torture, which is stupid, Gamora. And on Vormir, where the stone is, it ends up being the Red Skull, who is, or a apparition of the Red Skull, that is the stone's keeper. So this fake Red Skull tells Thanos that he can only acquire it by sacrificing something he loves. So apparently the soul stone can't fucking like tell real anything emotions apart and gives him the stone after he kills Gamora. We'll get into that. So Nebula (laughs) Nebula escapes captivity and asks the remaining guardians to meet her on Thanos' destroyed homeworld Titan. Uh, Stark and Peter kill Ma and rescue Strange, landing on Titan, where they meet Quill, Drax, and Mantis. Strange uses the time stone to view millions of possible futures, only seeing one which the Avengers win. Which I just find unbelievable. Which is so not... Okay, anyways. It was uh, one of those things where it's like, why did you put this in here? Yeah, it was just... This is the one way where we win. I'm like... No, there's so many other ways you could have won. Like, maybe you're bad at seeing. <laughs> maybe you need to give the time stone to Clea, who I know isn't in this yet, but I know she's cooler than you. You know what? Yeah. Sorry, Clea's like... gonna make you look like a bitch. <laughs> okay. Give it to Agnes. <laughs> yes. Where the fuck is Agnes in all of this? She's she not caring for this shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> all right. The group formulates a plan to subdue Thanos and remove the Infinity Gauntlet, which he uses to safely house all the stones. Thanos appears and justifies this plan as necessary to guarantee the survival of a universe threatened by overpopulation. I can't believe that every single planet and system in the universe is overpopulated. So Thanos, go suck a dick. And Nebula arrives soon after that and helps the others to subdue Thanos until she... Figures out that Thanos killed Gamora, and when she figures that out, 
Quill figures it out. Mm. And just as they're about to get the fucking glove off of Thanos' fucking arm, Quill decides to be an asshole and just start punching him. And it breaks fucking Thanos from his days that fucking cutie ass Mantis put him in. And they didn't get the fucking stupid gauntlet. I should have honked, but all of those emotions are fair. <laughs> so, Thanos ends up wounding Stark to uh, pretty real, really bad. And um, drops a moon on him. He does drop a moon on him. He ends up sparing Stark in exchange for the time stone that uh, Strange gives him. And Thanos has some honor, apparently. Mm. Some weird honor system in there. He's like, whatever, if you get dusted later, it's not my problem. So, in Wakanda, Wakanda, Rogers reunites with Bucky. Bucky who, does his hair. Who clearly gets his hair done, and he shaves a little bit. <laughs> they are like, hey, Shuri, can you get the Mind Stone out of Vision without killing Vision? And she was like, yes, I can, white boys. And why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do time? this? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I do like how Bruce Litter at least was just like, because I didn't think of that. <laughs> You're smarter than me, clearly, and I will accept that because I'm Bruce Banner. So Thanos ends up showing up to get the last stone. Banner can't summon the Hulk because the Hulk is, like, afraid of Thanos, which is stupid. And so Banner just fights in Stark's Hulkbuster armor. Thor, Rocket, and Groot arrive to reinforce the Avengers, and together they kill the few leftover lieutenants of Thanos. The evading armies end up taking over too much and coming in too quick, and Shuri is unable to complete the extraction before Thanos arrives. So Wanda ends up needing to destroy the Mind Stone and Vision at the same time while holding Thanos off, might I add. And when it's all said and done, fucking Thanos is an asshole and uses the Time Stone and just reverses everything and rips the Mind Stone out of Vision's head, killing him. Mm-hmm. Real, everything's real sad. Yeah, Thor. So much harder. Like it hit so fucking hard the first time, and it hits so much harder now. Yep. So Thor does end up severely wounding wounding Thanos with Stormbreaker to a point where you think, oh, maybe it's going to be okay, but he ends up snapping the gauntlet before he teleports away. And then half of all life in the universe starts to disintegrate, starting with Bucky Barnes. Ah! The first one to dust is Bucky Barnes. Then there's other people, a lot of them, T'Challa, Groot, Wanda, um, Sam, Mantis, Drax, Quill, Strange, Peter, Maria Hill, and then Nick Fury also are some of them that end up getting dusted. Stark and Nebula remain stranded on Titan while Banner, Mbaku, um, Okoya, Rhodey, um, Steve, Nat, and Thor are all left in the middle of the Wakandan battlefield, not really sure what the fuck is happening. Weirdly, getting rid of half the population didn't solve all of the problems of the world. Strange. Kind of only made it worse. Oh my god. Hmm. What? Gasp! <laughs> 
Meanwhile, we find Thanos somewhere just sort of watching <sighs> sunrise on a nice and quiet planet. Why didn't you get dusted in the in the process too, Thanos? Mm-hmm. If you're going to make that sacrifice, you should also be one to go. Because they have to fight him. <laughs> All right. So everything is important here, obviously, because it's essentially part one of Endgame. But what you really need to know, Loki, Gamora, and a lot of the Asgardians are dead. Thanos collects all the Finian stones, snaps his fingers, and then vanishes. Half of the universe is dusted, Bucky being the first one to dust. First one we see dusted. Captain Marvel has been contacted by Nick Fury at the end of the movie right before he and Maria end up getting dusted. And then Doctor Strange uses a time stone to determine that there's only one possible timeline where they can beat Thanos. All right, last one. Avengers Endgame. Here we go. 2019. 23 days after Thanos killed half of all life on the universe, Carol Danvers rescues Tony Stark and Nebula from deep space, and they reunite with the remaining Avengers. Locating Thanos on an uninhibited planet, they plan to retrieve the Infinity Stones and use them to reverse his actions, but discovered Thanos has already destroyed them to prevent further use. Enraged, Thor decapitates Thanos. Five years later, (laughs) two thumbs up, Thor. (laughs) Uh, Five years later, 2023, Scott Lang escapes. I know what I was thinking the other day. I was like, obviously, quarantine and pandemic was not good, but it allowed us to catch up a little bit to the MCU. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, that's true. (laughs) Because we were so far behind and now we're only a little bit behind. (laughs) All right. Anyways, five years later, in 2023, Scott Lang escapes the quantum realm, reaching the Avengers compound. He explains that he experienced only... You know what one I didn't do? You didn't do Captain Marvel. Or Captain Marvel. It wasn't on my list. Okay. That's crazy. Because I followed a list. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went through and, like, followed a, a, someone put up, like, synopsises of everything, mm-hmm. which is where I got them. Yeah, no, we started talking about Carol, and I was like, oh, wait, we didn't talk I didn't about even Carol. think about her, but yeah, I did miss her, too. Yeah. Okay, what do we get from that? Carol? Yeah, so from We Carol, get Carol and yeah. the Cree. We get Carol and the Cree. We get the fact that Carol is bonkers fucking yeah. powerful, but and that's also r- that she's out in and space. And she's in out in space. Helping people. Yes, yes. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp, we get the Quantum Realm. Yes. That's essentially all that we get. Well, and it's fair that you didn't think about those because they really don't touch on them until, like, the very fucking... Yeah, they're not... Well, I was going to say, technically, you know why? Because the list... I I probably went straight from Infinity War to Endgame because they're technically after Infinity War. That makes sense. And I didn't go... I just went straight into Endgame. But yeah, that's all that comes from that. Okay. So... Scott Lang escaped from the quantum realm that he got trapped in at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. And reaching the Avengers compound, he explains that he has experienced only five hours while trapped in the quantum realm. Theorizing the quantum realm allows time travel, they ask Stark, to figure it out so that they can get the stones from the past to reverse Thanos' actions in the present. Stark, Rocket, and Banner build a time machine. And Banner notes that changing the past does not affect their present. Any Mm. changes create alternate realities, I guess. I don't know. Their fucking science behind this is real bad. Um, No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So... 
visiting the Asgard refugees settlement in New Asgard, which apparently is in Norway. Banner and Rocket uh, recruit the overweight and very depressed Thor. In Tokyo, Romanoff recruits Spartan, who has become a vigilante because all of his family got dusted. Yeah. He's also a fucking weeb. Oh, he's such a fucking weeb. I wish just, I was cool, but I'm not, just, so. Just be deaf and be a hot mess. I mean, to be fair, like, it's not like Clint hasn't had a thousand dumb names. It's just most of them came with, like, a fucking skirt. And also, Ronan was a thing. And I know Ronan was a thing, but come on. Like, it's, it's not out of character for him to be like, I'm changing my name and my whole thing. <laughs> I want powers today, so now I'm going to be a weird version of Giant Man. And it's like, why are you wearing a skirt if you're giant? Follow that through, sir. He's like, I fucked a Doombot, so... I don't know. What is my life? It's a shrug. <laughs> okay, so so they come up with a plan, and Tony ends up making the time-traveling machine. Yes. Because he's sad about Peter, because he acts like he's the only one that lost someone in the dusting, even though Pepper survived and he now is a kid and he lives in a cute little... (laughs) So, they make a plan to use his time machine because they figured it out. And... uh, Tony probably makes a time machine because he's the only one that's, like, got it... He's smart enough to make it. Well, yeah, because they sure dusted any Shuri. Of these goddamn nerds would have made it. Oh, absolutely. Like, Shuri would have figured that out ten minutes after they got dusted. Yes, this wouldn't have been an issue. But also, <laughs> that's why they dusted all of the important <laughs> and interesting characters, and then left us with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. All right, so Bruce, uh, Scott, Steve, and Tony travel to New York City during Loki's attack in 2012. At the Sanctum Sanctorium, Bruce convinces the Ancient One to give him the time stone, promising he'll return the various stones to their proper points in time. And is also like, Strange gave up that stone, and then she was all like, He was meant to be the best of us. Something like that. I just feel like, have you And then I said, have you seen his lumpy potato face? I mean, I just feel like... (laughs) Billy's gonna be the best of you. (laughs) But we'll get there. Just fucking wait. (laughs) Billy will be the best of you. And then at Stark Tower, Steve retrieves the Mind Stone from Hydra Sleeper Agents. And Stark and Scott's attempts to steal the Space Stone fail. Womp womp. And this allows 2012 Loki to escape with it. Steve and Tony end up needing to travel back to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in 1970 so that they can obtain the Space Stone as well as some PIM particles so that they can continue to travel through time. Meanwhile, Rocket and Thor travel to Asgard in 2013 and they uh, extract the Reality Stone from Jane Foster because that's Thor 2, and it's in her right now. Mm-hmm. Thor has a encounter with his mother, uh, Frigga, and retrieves his old hammer back and is really happy that it comes to him because he doesn't think he's worthy anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Clint and uh, Nat, Nebula, and Rhodey travel to 2014. Nebula and Rhodey go to 
Moreg and steal the Power Stone before Peter Quill can. That is a great scene, though. Seeing Peter dance like a fucking asshole with his headphones on. Uh, Rhodey and and Nebula are the heroes of this movie. (laughs) Seriously. And Scott does a lot, too. Oh, Scott's a hero in any movie. People who I wasn't expecting to be the comedic, like, everything, and also to give me too many feels... Rody and fucking Nebula. Mwah. <laughs> That's not wrong. <laughs> I would hang out with Rody any fucking Ugh, day seriously. after this movie. Clint and Nat travel to Vormir. The Soul Stones Keeper, Red Skull, reveals it can only be acquired by sacrificing a loved one. So Nat sacrifices herself, allowing Barton to get the stone. Rhodes and Nebula attempt to- Thank God to- she loves herself enough <laughs> to get something. <laughs> all right so Rhodes and nebula attempt to return to their own time but nebula is incapacitated with her cybernetic implants linked to her past self allowing 2014 thanos to learn about his future self-success and the avengers attempt to undo it 2014 thanos sends 2014 nebula toward a forward in time to prepare for his arrival this is messy (laughs) fucking time travel All right, so returning to the present, the Avengers place the stones in the gauntlet that Stark, Banner, and Rocket built. Bruce, having the most uh, resistance to the gamma radiation, wields the gauntlet, snaps his fingers, and he reverses the dusting. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, 2014 Nebula, impersonating her future self, uses a time machine to transport 2014 Thanos and his warship to the present, destroying the Avengers compound in the process. Present-day Nebula convinces 2014 Gamora to betray Thanos, but is unable to convince 2014 Nebula and kills her. Some weird killing myself things going on here. Honestly, who doesn't want to kill their past self? (laughs) So there's a big fight, and it's essentially just Thor and Steve, who is now wielding I'm struggling. I said it fine a million other times before. Mjolnir. It's gone. It's out. I can't talk. I can't say it anymore. And I will say it. And everybody screams in the movie theater because it's super exciting. And also, Tony's there and they're getting their butts kicked. He's summoning all of his army to come from his warship and to destroy everyone and to retrieve the stones. And then just as Steve is being Steve and is like, hey, I have no shield because it's broken and Thor and Tony are gone and I don't know where anyone else is, but I'm going to stand up to this whole army. My middle name is Sacrifice. (laughs) God damn it, Steve. Steve Sacrifice Rogers. I know it's Grant, but it's Sacrifice. Stephen Strange arrives... The whole shit ton of portals and everyone who is dusted walks out of them and everyone cries a little bit. They all fight Thanos with a amazing Avengers Assemble that we've been waiting for for 12 years. And just as Wanda is about to fucking kick Thanos' ass, Carol shows up and goes through the ship that was now shooting at them because he's a dick face 
and there's a big fight and there's a whole bunch of gauntlets going on and well there's one gauntlet but it's flying all over the place <laughs> oh my god fuck you there's so many gauntlets <laughs> that's what they should have done I just feel like it's like Natasha's thighs it's yeah. only one but it's all no, over the place that there's so many I get it <laughs> But now, but you're I'm right. Thinking. They should have just made a whole bunch of decoys. Stephen Strange, make a bunch of decoys. This dumb dumb doesn't know. Oh man, we solved this problem again. <laughs> How many times have we solved this problem? Not during this episode because we've been trying to keep our commentary to a minimum. It's true. Uh, Thanos sort of overpowers her, even though that wouldn't actually ever happen. But. Stark ends up grabbing the stone, uh, well, grabbing Thanos' glove, and since it's technically like an Iron Man glove, he steals all of the stones and then snaps his fingers, and then, uh, good thing it wasn't you. (laughs) I'm hurt. Also, do you think I would ever sacrifice myself for everybody? No. No, Fuck everybody. (laughs) If I have to go, everybody else is fucking going. I would just hold up your cat. I mean, I'd snap for her. That's yeah, fair. That's why I do it. <laughs> no, bitch. <laughs> then I'd be like, don't give it to her. She can't snap. You'd be over there. You're like, can you whistle in tune also <laughs> while you're snapping? I'm like, <laughs> what? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Straight I'm out. right there. I have like a paragraph left. All right. So Thanos over overpowers her. Stark grabs all the stones and then snaps his fingers and disintegrates Thanos and all of his army. But it ends up that the stones kill Tony. Womp womp. Too much. Too bad. So sad. Following Stark's funeral, Thor appoints Valkyrie, the new ruler of Asgard, and joins the good. Yes, that's true. New king of Asgard and and joins the Guardians. Steve returns the stone and Mjolnir. (laughs) Ha ha. And uh, to all the proper timelines and apparently remains in the past. We don't know who with, though. TBD in the present and elderly Rogers, if you've even the real one, I don't believe it is, passes the shield on to Sam. Hulk! <laughs> and this is where I'm going to end it because I have too many feelings and we can't talk about this right now. Okay. Hulk! <laughs> Honking at your feelings. (laughs) What is the Rusted Robot Podcast? Hey there, this is Sean. This is Josh. And this is Kitty. We're your weekly geekly pop culture news. We talk about comic books. Movies. Anime. Celebrity deaths. (sighs) Collectibles. Toys. Movie news. Upcoming trailers. And so much more. Check us out on the ESO Network and everywhere podcasts are found. Your nerdy news specialist, the Rusted Robot Podcast. Let's go. More drinks. More drinks. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your topic? So I'm talking about... Total Recall. Have you ever seen it? No. My sources today are fandom, the actual movie Total Recall, uh, Wikipedia, and then an article called The Ending of Total Recall Explained by Zaya Grace. 
So, Total Recall is a 1990 American science fiction. Spoilers! It's from. Yeah, oh no, there will be many spoilers. I never watched this movie! <laughs> That's, which is a big bummer because it's very silly and I think we'll, we'll watch it at some okay. point. The 19, a 1990 American. Yeah, it came out when you were born. Mm-hmm. Thereabouts. Directed by Paul Verhoeven and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sharon Stone, and Michael Ironside, and then some other people. Um, Sharon Stone. I know. Jesus. She looks... She's, oh my god. It's such a fucking look in this movie. I'll have to show you <laughs> some pictures. This is so funny. The film is loosely based on the 1966 Philip K. Dick short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Uh, the film tells the story of a construction worker who suddenly finds himself embroiled in espionage on Mars and is unable to determine if the experiences are real or the result of memory implants. It's a weird one. It's so good. It's a big mindfucky one. But it's also really fun. All of the visuals are so like sleazy and ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so Douglas Quaid, who is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, He's a construction worker in the distant future. He's happily married to Lori, who is uh, Sharon Stone, but is just d- dissatisfied with his place in life. She teases him every now and then about a recurring nightmare about being on Mars with a beautiful woman who is not his wife. On the way to work, he sees an advertisement uh, on the subway TV for Recall Inc., a facility that implants fake memories of ideal vacations. Against the advice of his co-worker, Harry, who mentions he heard someone get fucking lobotomized doing something like that, Doug visits Recall and orders a special package that will implant memories of an adventure trip on Mars as a secret agent. Before the procedure begins, (laughs) he is asked to select a woman of his choice. He chooses a brunette with an athletic body and a sleazy and demure personality. What does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense to this day. I feel like of the whole movie, that makes the least amount of sense. And this is a weird mind-fucking movie. Okay, that happens. Um, before the procedure can begin, though, Quaid goes into a violent rage, ranting about his cover being blown and how men are coming to kill him. He tries to break free of his restraints, and the recall director tries to get him to calm down, which leads to him uh, responding by throttling him and muttering that his name is not Quaid. Uh, They trank him, and he falls unconscious, and then the recall director uh, believes that Doug was just acting out the secret agent part of the trip, but learns that the memories have not yet been implanted and realizes that Doug's memory has previously been erased. So to cover their involvement, the recall director orders his team to erase erase all of his memories of recall and coming there and all of that sort of thing, refund all of his credits, and send him home. They're like, oh, well, this is messy. We don't <laughs> want to be involved. more than we want to deal with. Help. <laughs> um... Quaid awakens in a Johnny cab, which is like a cab with a robotic driver. It's very weird looking. Uh, that takes him to it's a subway. It's not just a self-driving car like we have now. No, it has like a person that's built into the car. Weird. As the driver that like talks to you. I don't like that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. Just Most give me a self-driving car, please. Of this future parts, you're going to be like, <laughs> oh no. Bad times. Uh, because it's fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm glad that's not the future for <laughs> real. So yeah, he takes the Johnny Cab to the subway station where so he can uh, catch a train home. While walking through the subway, he's attacked and detained by several men led by Harry, his co-worker, 
And they're like, you blabbed about Mars while you were at Recall. And he's like, um, I literally don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about with Mars. And I don't know what you're talking about with Recall because they just erased my memory of that too. Cool. Awesome. What? Uh, so he's like, uh, question mark, question mark, question mark. And Harry's like, well, fuck you. We're going to shoot you. He goes to shoot Quaid and Quaid fights back, successfully killing Harry and all of his men. Uh, all of his men. And there's only one. All of the people are blonde to What a man, what a man, what a man. Oh, God. <laughs> what a mighty good man. What a mighty. How does this keep happening? Uh, and then he's like, what the fuck? I just, I've never fought anybody in my life. I've always been a construction worker. Um, question mark, question mark, question mark. Help. Uh, so he rushes back home to tell Lori what happened and is like, help, what's going on? And then she's like, um, looks like you regained your memory of Mars and attacks him. They fight. Um, it's pretty hot. Do they uh, have sex after? No. No, Mr. or Mrs. Smith? No. Damn. Sadly, no. <laughs> um, I don't think there's... I can't remember if there are any sex scenes in this movie. I don't think so. There was a sex scene in my awful true crime earlier. There's no sex scene in this. What a shame. Damnably. A shame. <laughs> she uh, is like, oh, you know who you are, and attacks him. And he's like, I don't. What's happening? Help. And uh, they fight, and Doug subdues and interrogates her. He holds a gun that he took from her to her head and is like, what's going on? And she reveals that his original identity had been erased and a new one had been implanted, which included her as his wife so she could watch over him for the past six weeks. And he's like, uh, if I'm not me, then who the hell am I? What? And then uh, men come to subdue Quaid and he knocks out Lori and flees. And he's pursued by Lori's real husband, a man named Richter. He's an agent of a mysterious agency led by Vilos Kohagen, who is the corporate dictator of Mars. Richter wants to kill Quaid because he apparently knew him on Mars. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he's also like weirded out that his wife was playing Quaid's wife for a while too. He's like bitter about that. Wah, wah, wah. Quaid escapes and kills some of Richter's men. Cohagen contacts Richter and is like, don't fucking kill him. We still need him. And, and Cohagen's like, um, you're breaking up. <laughs> Gets the wrapper out of the purse. <laughs> Basically, it's. I'm going through a tunnel. Yep. It's almost that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, uh, I can't. Yeah. He has a bad connection and he hangs up. Uh, Richter locates Quaid using a, a tracking device. Meanwhile, Doug finds a room in some cheap anonymous motel, but still is found by some mystery man who calls him in his room and says he has a suitcase for him. The man says that there were agents together on Mars, and and also that there's a bug in his head that is allowing Richter to track him. So, uh, following the man's instructions, Quaid wraps his head in a wet towel to disrupt the tracking signal. He gets the suitcase, and as he's leaving the hotel, Richter and Helm, who is his, like, side dude, um, arrive. They chase Quaid in another Johnny Cap taxi, and it's all very disturbing, and Quaid is still wearing the towel on his head. When Quaid does open the, uh, case, a screen plays a recording of himself. And he finds a variety of spy gear inside the suitcase, and the recording tells Quaid he was originally Hauser, 
um, a high-ranking member of the agency and Kohagen's key agent. In the recording, Hauser tells Quaid that he met Molina, who is his Dior let yet. <laughs> Not for Mortal Kombat? Oh. <laughs> that would be so much cooler. <laughs> Oh, that would be like just actually in line with the like level of weirdness in this movie. Actually, <laughs> oh man, it's spelled a little bit differently. Oh. <laughs> Quaid says that he met Melina, an agent for the rebels on Mars, and she convinced him to switch sides. Hauser is like, Cohagen discovered your treason, and they erased your identity and had a new one implanted, and they exiled you to Earth where they could closely watch you. And also, you have to get this tracking device out of your fucking head. You have to pull it out of your skull through your nose. That sounds great. It's a bad time. He does extract the bug. And then Hauser's like, you've got to go to Mars and connect with the rebels. And here's some names, blah, blah, blah. And then Quaid stuffs the bug inside a candy bar and then throws it to some rats so that Richter and Helm end up chasing the bug around the factory that they're in. Uh, Quaid arrives on Mars disguised as a large woman in some, like, weird robotic disguise that, like, is fine until all of a sudden it starts to malfunction. She's just saying, two weeks, and, like, her face is starting to open up because she's, like, a terrifying monster thingy. And, yeah, that all doesn't work out, and he starts to, um escape from everything because they're all in this weird little train, plane, everything station. He gets to Mars and then he can take a train after that. They see some recent graffiti proclaiming that the mysterious mutant leader Kwatu is still a threat and uh, many of the people that are living on Mars are deformed and possess some sort of psychic abilities caused by the mixture of solar radiation and shoddy air quality provided by Kohagen. Bad times. So yeah, Quaid escapes, gets the fuck out of there, and sees this giant mountain housing the pyramid mine, which supplies an enormous amount of turbinium, uh, some fake important metal in the distance, and asks another passenger about it, and the passenger's like, ah, I pretty much heard that they had alien artifacts down there, and that's why they shut the mine down. Quaid's like, uh, okay. He gets a suite at the Hilton. There's a name drop. I assume that was paid for. Uh, retrieves a note from a hotel safe that he left for himself. It tells him to contact Molina at the last resort. Outside the hotel, a mutant taxi driver named Benny persuades Quaid to let him take him to Venusville and the last resort, which is a bar and a brothel. Um, there's a lady there with three tits, which is one of the first things that I remember whenever I think of this movie. <laughs> um, there's lots of mutants there. You know, everybody there is a little bit weird. And Quaid finds Melina, who strongly resembles the woman he requested at Recall, but he can't remember her, and she doesn't believe his story, so she orders him to leave at gunpoint. Um, he goes back to the Hilton and is visited by Dr. Edgemar, who is the founder of Recall, whom Quaid saw in a Recall ad on Earth. Edgemar tells Quaid that everything that has happened since his trip to Recall is all in his mind, and he's actually back at Recall, still strapped into the chair in the lab. He says everything that Quaid has experienced since falling unconscious at Recall has been a dream due to a schizoid embolism and acute neurological trauma. Quaid, disbelieving, holds him at gunpoint. And Edgemar tells Quaid his entire experience matches the dream he asked to be implanted, which is true. 
to prove his point, Edgemar opens the hotel door and Laurie enters just randomly. Of course, Laurie's there. Laurie is the wife. Sharon I Stone remember that. being hot. Yeah. She pleads with Quaid to listen to Dr. Edgemar, and Edgemar offers Doug a pill, which is basically a symbol of his desire to return to reality, and he says that Quaid must take the pill voluntarily to escape his permanent dream state. If he does, he'll fall asleep in the dream and wake up at the memory implant facility on Earth. And if he doesn't, then he'll end up lobotomized and his mind will be trapped in this alternate reality forever. And he seriously considers the offer, but before he can swallow the pill, he spots a drop of sweat on the nervous Dr. Edgemar's face and basically is like, oh, this confirms exactly what I thought. This is indeed reality and not a dream. And then just shoots and kills Edgemar. But is he really dead? Edgemar? Yeah. Who knows? Because we don't know if this is a dream or not. We'll get there. It's like Inception all over again. Mm -hmm. We'll get to a place with an answer. Okay. I'm gonna Unlike give, an Inception, I where they give just you leave the answer. fucking penny spinning. I mean, they don't give you an answer. Bastards. But, if, but it, there's a lot of context clues that give you an answer. So, kills Edgemar. A team of men break in and suddenly break through the room's walls and capture Quaid. Lori de- deals him several painful blows, and the last one knocks him unconscious. And then they take him to uh, shackled and subdued to an elevator. And when the elevator door opens... Melina is there with a submachine gun and she kills everybody except for Lori and then Lori and Melina fight because it's a hot girl fight time. Uh, (laughs) Because why not? But just as Lori is about to stab Melina with a knife, Quaid shoots the knife out of her hand. Uh, She looks up telling him he wouldn't hurt her because they're married and he sees her reaching for a gun so he shoots her dead and says consider that a divorce because this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie in the 90s. There always has to be a line. Mm-hmm. Richter and Helm burst out of the elevator and see Lori's dead body, and they go after Quaid and Melina. And Helm stops Richter when he tries to shoot at Quaid because they're not supposed to do the fucking thing, but, you know, sometimes people don't listen. Um, that's not your job. So they flee the hotel where Benny... The taxi driver is conveniently waiting for them. He takes them to Venusville in the last resort, and they hide in, like, some secret place there. The rebels and Cohagen's security forces engage in a firefight during which Helm and several of uh, Richter's security forces are killed. Richter barely escapes and takes command of a platoon of reinforcements. And then Cohagen's like, I'm just going to turn the fucking oxygen circulation system off because if these people are trying to rebel they can't do that without having air i mean they can't live without having air exactly yeah he's bad people (laughs) um meanwhile quaid is taken to by the rebels to meet guatu the uh mysterious leader of the rebellion guatu is a psychic and can spot undercover martian agents and extract information from them and they hope that guatu can read quaid's mind and find key information that will help them defeat cohagen and free mars from his dictatorship uh, they take Quaid to see George, who is a high-ranking rebel officer, uh, before he can meet Quatu, and uh, they go to a private room, and then George opens his shirt, and it turns out that Quatu is a conjoined, like, symbiotic twin that lives in his stomach, basically. Like, just head and shoulders, and just, like, from the torso up. It's pretty gross. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I that hate is, it. Yeah, no, it's, it's meant to be that way. Quatu reads Quaid's mind and sees a vision of alien ruins that have been rumored to lie underneath Mars. I wonder if it's in that weird pyramid. Hmm. Obviously. Jesus. Where the fuck else would you hide your weird alien artifacts? That's where they always are. Ancient aliens, baby. Alien ruins that are uh, rumored to lie underneath Mars, underneath the pyramids, obviously. And Cohagen has hidden them because they could uh, basically make turbinium worthless. And also it would melt an underground glacier and release the oxygen, creating a breathable atmosphere for Mars. If this sounds like dumb pseudoscience, it absolutely <laughs> fucking is. Um, the rebel hideout is attacked by Cohagen's forces who massacre the rebels. Uh, Quaid, Molina, Benny, and George slash Kwatu flee. As they prepare to escape, though, Benny shoots George and Kwatu, revealing that he is a covert agent of Cohagen. Boo! Uh, before Kwatu dies. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck, Benny? Uh, he tells Quaid to start the reactor, and then Richter finishes off Kwatu and takes Quaid and Molina to Cohagen, um, and they're going to rewrite their memories the same way that they did before, blah, blah, blah. When they get there, Cohagen's like, oh, yeah, this whole thing was a trap. The entire reason that we rewrote your memories is so that this whole nonsense would happen in this weird order. This mm-hmm. is how we were going to we trick Kawatu by erasing your memories so that you could, like, pass his psychic test and all of this other nonsense and stuff like that. And he doesn't, he's like, no, that sounds fake. And then Cohagen's like, well, here's a recording of you as Hauser saying exactly the same fucking thing. Wah! Then Cohagen's like, well, now we're going to cut off all of the oxygen supply to the Mars colony instead of just that one little section. And uh, fuck everybody. And then... Just melt the glaciers. <laughs> I'm fucking trying! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they try to uh, erase Quaid and Molina's memories. Uh, Quaid escapes and kills all the tech workers and frees Molina. The two head down to the alien ruins. They're attacked by Benny on the way because, of course... Because, of course. Because, of course. Fucking Benny. Fucking Benny. Um, and then they find In a the way... Jet. <laughs> they find a way to um, the reactor where there's a bunch of fucking soldiers there and there's a big fight, blah, blah, blah. Um, Melina guns a bunch of them down. Richter tries to fight him uh, with Quaid and then he ends up having his arms ripped off and then falling to his death. Good times. Quaid gets to the reactor control area where Cohagen is waiting for him because he's a fucking villain and that's what they do. And he's got everything rigged to explode. He's just about to kill Quaid when he is shot and wounded by Molina. He activates the bomb and then Quaid's like, nope, and grabs it and throws it away before it detonates. And then it explodes and rips a hole in the wall, which causes depressurization. As uh, they hang on for fucking life, Cohagen is sucked into the atmosphere and lands in the Martian landscape where he quickly dies of lack of oxygen and the massive solar radiation. Quaid manages to turn the reactor on like right before he and Molina are sucked out into the atmosphere as well, but they are saved as the reactor 
releases a large amount of breathable air, which washes over the entire atmosphere. The rushing force of new air smashes through all of the protective windows of the colony. The people who were dying can now breathe again. Happy endings for fucking everyone. As Quaid and Melina gaze in astonishment at the Martian sky, which is now blue and cloudy, like a beautiful day on Earth, Quaid wonders if he's really having a dream and if all of this is really happening in his head on Earth back at Recall. Hearing this, Melina invites him to kiss me quick before you wake up. And then he and Melina kiss, and the screen fades to white. So, obviously, the most confusing thing about this is how much of this is a dream? Is any of this a dream? Blah, 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 blah. Is all of it a dream? Is all of it a dream? Yes. I think... All of it's a dream. Time has no meaning. It doesn't matter. Time has no meaning and it doesn't matter. But also there's a lot of different reasons why it's very clearly a dream. The first however many minutes where he's figuring out what he wants or when he's having the dream at the very beginning, they all echo throughout the entire movie. So anything that happens like almost kind of happened before or was something that they pulled out of his dreams. Basically, when he asks for his secret agent package, which goes, according to the salesman, you're a top operative working undercover on an important mission. People are trying to kill you left and right. You meet this beautiful exotic woman. You get the girl, kill the bad guys, save the entire planet. Coincidentally, Quaid realizes he was always a secret agent. He gets the girl, kills the bad guy, and frees Mars from capitalistic bondage, which is a great dream. But mm, he does appear to wake up before the implant is actually inserted. But also the salesman goes on and on being specific about the realism of the implants and how they trick the brain into thinking it's remembering real memories. A lot of the movie's plot elements are culled directly from the innocuous moments embedded in those few opening scenes. Uh, the recall scientists even explicitly mention that they combine the base program with elements from the subject's real life to better create realistic moments. So early on in the film, uh, when Quaid's talking to one of his coworkers about going to recall, he hears that somebody is lobotomized there. And he does ignore that warning and then goes to recall anyways. And after the recall dis- uh, procedure, he discovers that this friend is actually an undercover agent working for the government tasked to keep Quaid unaware. So his warning about the possibility of a lobotomy echoes throughout the visual inspirations of the movie. When Quaid pulls out his tracker chip, he pushes a tool through his nasal cavity until he hears a chunk, um, which is specifically what he's told to do, which is strikingly similar to the original lobotomy process. Likewise, when the doctor shows up on Mars to tell Quaid he's having an adverse reaction to the recall procedure, he takes the tack of reminding Quaid of the possible side effects to the brain. The oft-mentioned dangers of the recall procedure reverberate through the entire film. And then also, like, the special package that he picks is so specific to exactly what fucking happens. The salesman who's talking to him is like, you can take on a new identity, you could be an Olympic athlete, a millionaire or a secret agent, and Quaid is very against all of these things because he still wants to be him, but he's tempted by being a different version of him, which is how you get the secret agent thing. It's also how you get Hauser, who is a different personality, but still a version of him. Hauser allows him to be 
both the secret agent deep undercover while still remaining the same person he was before being woken up from that deep cover. Before he goes into the recall procedure, he walks through an x-ray machine and you watch his skeleton move uh, smoothly through it. No big deal. And then after the recall procedure has begun and Quaid is running for his life, he passes through the x-ray machine again. And this time he sets off an alarm as it uh, recognizes a gun that he's holding. But it never recognizes the fact that he has a fucking metal chip in his brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, like, why wouldn't it? Because at this point, Quaid hadn't gotten to that moment in his dream. And so his subconscious mind didn't bother to change the imagery of his skeleton. Also, you have the women in this movie. Sleazy and demure. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? No one fucking knows. Um, Melina is the mysterious woman who first appears in Quaid's dream that opens the film. Uh, She is just a face in an astronaut's suit. And then when Quaid goes to recall, they ask him to describe his perfect woman, encouraging him to be as honest as possible to have more fun in the implanted memories. Quaid describes a woman who is brunette, athletic, sleazy and demure, and before he passes out... I'm going to start describing myself. (laughs) I want it on a shirt. (laughs) Um, And before he passes out, he sees that the scientists are sculpting Melina's face. So basically on the TV, you see like a picture of her face, and then that's when he starts to like pass out. So um, we know from the beginning that the scientists are combing through Quaid's dreams to make him a better fit for an implant. And while Molina's face appearing on the televisor could be part of his hallucination, it's also they were digging through your dreams and you just fucking dreamt about her, you goddamn nerd. And of course, she perfectly matches the personality type Quaid wants to appear in his recall memories, even if that personality type is Is weird. isn't an actual personality. No one is sleazy and demure. Those aren't words you use to describe yourself. Or, or, Jesus, it's a whole goddamn mess. Also, Lori, uh, Quaid's wife, is against Recall and Mars altogether. Lori, when he first mentions it, is like, obviously we don't want to go to on a vacation to fucking Mars where it's a war zone. And Recall is expensive and a waste of money. Uh, so he ends up kind of positioning her as the villain. And then her convenient secret marriage to Quahagan's lieutenant, Richter allows Quaid to freely pursue Molina without having to worry about any sort of guilt for breaking his marriage vows. As an added bonus, she consistently compliments his masculinity and sexual prowess, even when she's an enemy. Ew. Yeah. I want to vomit. I know. Yeah. It's like, uh, any woman who sees this is like, oh, it's a dream. No person is like this. That's not how a person is. (laughs) No female is like that Mm -mm. ever. Mm -mm. When the sales agent boasts to Quaid that recall implants are better than a regular vacation, he lists a litany of annoyances that their services avoid, and one of them is the issue of crooked cabbies ruining a vacation. When Quaid is on Mars, he later runs into Benny, who fucks us over several times because that's how he is. And he's later revealed to be a double agent, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Benny then is a crooked cabbie, a subconscious trigger that Quaid uses to fill out his dreamscape. And it also is a bomb for his worried mind. If this was a real recall procedure, there wouldn't be any crooked cabbies 
Because my luck, I'd be like, oh, there's going to be no kids, thank God. And then there'd be nine <laughs> billion kids. Oh, I hate that. That <laughs> makes me so mad. The final time that Lori shows up uh, is when Quaid is confronted by Dr. Edgemar, who warns Quaid that he's in danger of suffering a schizoid embolism and he's trapped within the dream. He says that he and Lori, the actual real Mrs. Quaid, have gone into Quaid's fantasy to pull him out before further damage occurs. And that if he doesn't, his brain's going to be jumbled unless he accepts their help. He warns Quaid that the recall fantasy will become jumbled and that the walls of reality will break down. One moment you're the savior of the rebel cause, the next thing you know you'll be Cohagen's bosom buddy. You'll be Cohagen's BFF. <laughs> this was not me. Um, <laughs> bosom buddy. He'll be Dubros. Yeah. Um, you'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations as you requested, but in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. And then, of course, he does shoot Edgemar, and um, but the like, literally right after he shoots Edgemar, the walls in the hotel literally break down as Cohagen's men burst in. So he's like, "All the walls are gonna break down," and then they immediately fucking do. In the next scene, Quatu is murdered. Quaid is kind of the leader of the rebellion. And then Cohagen's like, no, actually you're Hauser. You're my right hand man. And all of the things that the doctor said come true. Like bam, 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 bam. Likewise, the alien artifact that they see is like on the screen in the first fucking minutes where they're putting Quaid under. One of the scientists makes the observation that it's all about alien artifacts these days. And why would they know about a top secret alien artifact? Before they find out that Quaid is a spy. Because it's fake. Because it's all fucking fake. It's part of Quaid's dreaming package. And they're prepping the operation. And then, like, the images that you see in the front beginning are the images of the alien artifact in the end. And then one of the last and biggest things is as the scientists are preparing Quaid for the recall procedure and they're uh, looking at his dreams, they notice in one of his dreams that there's blue sky on Mars, and that's interesting. He's referring to the blue sky at the end of the film where Quaid's like, hmm, I wonder if I'm dreaming or not. It's like, blue sky, Mars doesn't do that. <laughs> have you looked at Mars? It's red. It doesn't have blue skies. No. The... Scientists are like, mm, sounds fake. We've never heard of that. And then they put him under and all of a sudden that's the soothing end to the movie or maybe just to Quaid's recall dream. So yeah, that's Total Recall. Uh, but is he lobotomized if it was a dream? Yes, absolutely. Okay. One hundred percent. Also, fun fact. Uh, yeah, I feel like you shouldn't be uh, doing this kind of shit if the... Outcome is possibly a lobotomy. <laughs> I'm sure he signed some papers, and this is a weird dystopian future, it's so nobody true. cares. So they were going to make a Total Recall 2, which I don't know how you could do, but what the fuck ever. And then after it was pushed through a bunch of different things and different people tried to grab it, it ended up becoming Minority Report, also written by Philip K. Dick. I haven't seen that either. Oh, they're both very good. Weird science fiction stuff. It all has to do a lot with, like, how much of things are real and how much of life is predetermined and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's Total Recall. It's one of my favorite Arnold movies. You know, that was interesting. Yeah, I've never seen Total Recall. Yeah. It's 
worth watching just for like getting drunk and watching a r- totally ridiculous movie that also makes you like question if anything is real. Three boobs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Three boobs. All of the like people on Mars are fucking weird as shit and great. Okay, so yeah, this was episode 49. Holy shit. We are so close to episode 50, which is our one year, don't count. I it's quit. one year. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> All right, everyone. Next up, get ready for it. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to organize our thoughts, but we're calling it a rant episode for a reason. Yes. So be ready for that. Hey, Rate, review, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We are also on the ESO Network and Podbean. And follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. For pictures. Yes, we put pictures up. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good night, and we'll see you next Tuesday. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.